Genesis chapter 1. Might as well start at the beginning, right? <laughs> Genesis chapter 1. And uh, Father, we thank you so much today for the precious word of God. We thank, thank you for the opportunity that we have right now, Lord, to stand here to receive from you your words, anointed words from heaven. And right now, Lord, we ask the Holy Spirit to breathe on us today, Lord. Breathe on us, fresh breath from heaven, Father. We give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, it's uh, recorded in the book of Genesis as well. We're not going to turn there, but the Bible says, In the beginning, the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. Amen. You know, He's been moving ever since. If he can move on water, he can move on people. Amen? And I found that in the last couple of years that if we allow God to move in our lives, he will do it. He's more eager to move in our lives than we are wanting to him to move. He is more eager to step in. He's always on the move, praise God. We see something in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. I'll just stay with me here because we're going to read a few verses here. And I want to show you something here. And it says in verse 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Notice that. In verse 3 it says, And God said, let's say those three words, And God said, Let there be a light, and there was light. Verse 4, and God saw the light and it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And evening and morning were the first day. Notice, notice verse 6, and what? And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let them divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and morning were the second day. And look, look at verse 9. It says, And God what? And God said, Let the waters under heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. Verse 10 it says, And God called the dry land earth, and gathered together the waters, and called them seas. And God saw that it was good. How many of you know everything God creates is good? <laughs> Amen. And God called, in verse 11 it says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, herb yielding seed. Folks, he's not talking about marijuana here, by the way. Okay. Some people take that and put that in there. I don't know, you know. And herb yielding seed, and fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. Verse 12, And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after its kind, and tree yielding fruit, whose seed is in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Notice he says that the seed of every tree is in itself, in the seed. Amen. Verse 13, And evening and morning were the third day. And then verse 14, And God what? Said, let there be lights in the firmament in the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights. The greater light to rule by day. Cut that bass down a little bit, John. 
the greater light to rule by day and the lesser light to rule by night, and he made the stars also. Hallelujah. Now bear with me here. And in verse 17, And God set in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day, rule over the night, to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Evening and morning were the fourth day. Now we're almost, out, we're almost finished here. But look at verse 20. And God what? And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly of moving creatures that have life, uh, fowl that fly above the earth upon the firmament of heaven. And God created the whales... Everybody say Shamu. <laughs> and God created the whales and every living creature that moves, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply in the waters of the seas. Let, the, let them multiply the earth in the evening and morning were the fifth day. And then in verse 24 it says, And God said... Let the earth bring forth the living creature after its kind, the cattle, the creeping thing, the beast of the earth after its kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after its kind, and the cattle after their kind, and every living, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after its kind, and God saw that it was good. And then finally in verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image. Now notice that it's in the plural. Let us, let us, Make man in our image. And now this is the, the Hebrew word Elohim. Elohim. And it's, it's plural because it's talking Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're all involved in creation. All right? And so God said, Let them have dominion over the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every, living, every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. All right? Now, in these 26 verses, I wanted to read this. And I wanted to show you a pattern. Now, I know this is not new to a lot of folks that are here, but I really felt impressed of the Lord to go back, and we're going to talk about the, the, the power of the Word of God. Amen? As you can see up here, the spoken Word. The Bible t teaches us exactly how God created everything. Now, He could have went like this. He could have went, couldn't He? God could have done that easily. He could do whatever He wants. He's God. He could have snapped his finger as a precedence to create something, all right? But see, the Lord chose an avenue of using words to create something that he had inside of his heart. In fact, eight times, I counted it, eight times I underline it, God said. And before God, this is a, something throughout the whole Bible, before God does anything, he says it first, Okay? He says it first. Now go over real quick to uh, John in the New Testament, chapter 1. We're going to look at a couple of verses here. And I want to show you something here about that will course, correlate with what we just read here in Genesis about creation and so forth. But in John chapter 1, the Bible says this, In the beginning, it sounds just like Genesis 1-1, right? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen? Now, who's this talking about? This is talking about Jesus. Jesus was called the Word before He was called Jesus, because He preexisted with the Father. In fact, the angels called Him the Word, and they still do. Okay? When He comes back on that white horse, and we're all behind Him, He has written on His thighs, Word of God. Amen? He is called the Word of God. And it says that 
the same, verse 2, was in the beginning. And all, notice this, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, I want to show you something here. When God said, this is actually Jesus in His pre-incarnate state calling forth things. When the Bible says, God said, let there be light, that was actually Jesus. Okay? How many of you didn't know that? <laughs> you just found that out if you did. Because Jesus pre-existed with the Father. When He was born in a manger, that's not when He all of a sudden came on the scene. That's the first time He ever existed. He pre-existed with the Father. And there was He neither had beginning of days. Praise the Lord. And, uh, and then if you go to Colossians chapter 1, I want to show you this. And in Colossians chapter 1, we'll verify the very same thing. Who was responsible for creation? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. Now don't you know the people and the Pharisees and the scribes and the people that were rubbing shoulders with Him had no clue <laughs> of who they were dealing with. This is the man that made the heavens and the earth, the very earth that they were standing upon. Amen. But notice in Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Giving thanks, Paul says here, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet or able to be partakers of the inheritance in the saints of light, in light. Who hath delivered us, say hath. Now that's past tense. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has past tense, translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. All right, let's just pause right there for a second. Notice the, you know, you don't have to be an English expert, but when he says he has or he hath, is that past, present, or future? That's past tense, right? He has delivered you and me from the power of darkness. He has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Glory to God. The Lord has done these very things. So I am currently, I line my, see what I do is I line myself up with the scripture. I agree with the scripture. You want to come in agreement with God, that's the best agreement partner, partner, partner you can have. You come in agreement with God. And what God says about you, that's what you're to say about you. Amen. Amen. Now the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Right? Old things are passed away. Everything has become new. Now, if God says I'm a new creature, then I say that about me. Because I don't want to frustrate. The, when we, Paul says, I don't frustrate the grace of God. How do you frustrate the grace of God? When you declare and say something other than what the Bible says about you. The Bible says we're new creatures. Well, if the Bible says that, I say that about me. Amen. I am a new creation in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That's true humility is you're putting yourself under the Word of God and you're saying and you're decreeing and you're declaring precisely and exactly what God says about you. Well, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him, in Christ Jesus. Amen. The Bible says Jesus took our sin, we take His righteousness. Wow, great exchange. Now, He didn't sin he became sin. He became the punishment for sin. We take His righteousness. He took our sin. That's our identification. Amen? And uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, or, or Matthew eight seventeen, 
Here's another. Boy, if we were to stop there, it would have been good enough. But he says, that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. <laughs> Jesus took my infirmities, took my sicknesses, took my pains, and I take his health and healing. I identify with that. Amen? Amen. So Jesus took my sin, I took his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Jesus, Jesus took my sickness and disease, Matthew 8.17, 1 Peter 2.24, Isaiah 53, verse 4, 4 and 5. I, he took my sickness, I take his health. Now, if, if, you, don't, if, you, if it, you don't think so, it gets actually better beyond this. 2 Corinthians 8.9, I'm just quoting this. says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he were rich... Yet for our sake became poor that you through his poverty might be rich. Say rich is not a bad word. <laughs> it's a biblical word. God wants you wealthy. He wants you healthy. He wants you rich. That's the will of God. That's the will of God. He says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He became poor. When did he become poor? When he left heaven. <laughs> Streets paved with gold. Are you kidding me? Or pure gold, not paved. Pure gold. As soon as he left heaven, he became poor as far as heavenly standards go. But Jesus took our poverty so that we could become wealthy in, in, in 2 Corinthians 8 9. Do you see the pattern how Jesus took our sin, Jesus took our sickness, Jesus took our poverty, and we take the blessing. Now, there's something we have to understand. The blessing of God and the blessing of Abraham that belongs to all of us doesn't just fall on us like ripe cherries off a tree. Doesn't, doesn't happen that way. We have to tap into the Word of God through knowledge and lay hold of by faith and claim what rightfully belongs to us. Then it becomes vital in our lives. Praise God. That's why knowledge is so important. Amen? You know, I believe every time you open the Word of God or every time you come to church, you're going to hear revelation knowledge that's going to impact your life to, to begin to really tap into the inheritance that belongs to you. I had the Spirit of God say to me, Oh, six, seven months ago, he says, you can get through your covenant with me that you could get no otherwise. You can get through your covenant with God what you couldn't get otherwise. Why? Because your covenant is your connection with God in heaven on the earth. That you can get through that covenant everything that belongs to your health, your healing, your finances, your whatever. You can get that through your covenant that you have with God. Did I lose anybody yet? Okay. So, um, let's go back to Genesis real quick here. I know I'm going a little bit fast here, but let's go back to Genesis chapter 2. So, we see a precedence here in the Bible how that God created everything that exists through the spoken word. By words, choosing words that would bring life into the earth. Yeah, but Pastor Keith, that's God. He can do whatever He wants. That's true. But God chooses to use the avenue of words to show us how we can operate in this earth with God's faith. Okay? You with me now? Now, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. Now, that's His body. The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. 
Now that's really important, that phrase right there. Man became a living soul, just like God. Okay? Now what's interesting about this, it, it, this shows us the creation of the body, which before God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, all it was was, was like a clump of clay. Okay? Now I remember when I was in you know, junior high school, you know, we had, we had this one class where we made our pottery. You ever do that when you're in school? We made pottery and stuff like that. I get the clay, I get the, that little thing you sit on. What's that called? The, uh, you know, the thing spins around, whatever it's called. You know what I'm talking about. It's been so many years. And then you, when you're finished with your project, you stick that piece of clay in the kiln and you bake that thing. Okay, and then it becomes hardened. Okay, then it becomes a hard a pot. Praise the Lord. Now, when God made man, He made His body out of the dust, out of the same element. In fact, your body has all the same elements that are in the earth. But when God made Adam, He was just lifeless. He was just a, a, clunk, a, clunk, a clump of dirt, basically, standing there until God breathed into His nostrils the breath of life. Now, here's the thing. God didn't take man or Adam here in the case, the first man. God didn't take Adam and blow him up like a big balloon. He didn't go over and say, <laughs> and he just started filling out. You know what I'm saying? Amen? And you let it go and it flies everywhere. <laughs> All right? What God did is God got right to his face and he breathed life into him. He was right there in his face. And the Bible says man became a living soul. Now here's something really interesting about this. I know you might have heard this before. But the Hebrew sages, and I have the, the actual book, the, the Humas they call it. It looks like Chumas, but it's Humash. That's how they pronounce it. The Jewish Hamash, you know. And uh, I mean it's such small print. You need like a magnifying glass to see it, you know. But the Jewish sages that go, that, that, uh, that have a more, a greater understanding of the Hebrew and of the Old Testament and so forth, they said that the actual Hebrew literally says that when God breathed into man, he became another speaking spirit just like God himself. That's what it means. When he made him a living soul, it says that he made him another speaking spirit just like God. Amen. That's why the animal kingdom, has they don't have a choice of words. Because they're not made in God's likeness and in God's image. But you and I, we're made in God's likeness and God's image. And we can communicate. We can talk. We can fellowship. We can interact. We can exchange ideas. Why? Because God put within us creative ability just like himself. Now, you know, if you look around this room right now and you see uh, basically the lighting, the walls, the speakers, the carpet, the chairs... Did you know, I'm giving you a revelation here, not one of those things was invented by an animal. I said, brother, I didn't know that. Not one of the things in this room was created by a giraffe, a lion, a bear, a fish. Amen. That might surprise some people. <laughs> now, my point is this. Everything that was created in this earth came from a man or a woman that was made in God's likeness, in God's image. Because God put within us creative ability, witty inventions, new ideas. And guess what? God's not done with them yet. 
some of you in this room, God is going to plant within you, and I say this in my spirit, out of my spirit right now, God's going to put within you the thoughts of something that could make you a multi-millionaire. But it's going to come in a form of a thought. It's going to come in, a, in the form of an idea or a dream or something like something's going to come to you. Do you think all the inventions are finished that have been invented? <laughs> you know, what's really funny is, um, you know, the Wright brothers that, that invented the aircraft, the first airplane, remember that? Orville and Wilbur, I think their name was, on that beach in Carolina, you know? And uh, they killed the devil down there, I'm telling you. That's why they call it Kill Devil Hills. I mean, they invented that thing. <laughs> Just kidding. But they, uh, their father, who was a preacher, had a limited idea. He said, look, everything that's been created has been created. There's no more inventions left. He's in there preaching that if God wanted to make us fly, he would have given us wings while his kids were out in the back of the church, you know, messing with that little aircraft. And they could have listened in that sense. They could have listened. They still respected their father, but they, if they listened to him, they would have been kept down. And look at what has happened since that time. I was out this morning just walking around the parking lot, praying in the, in the spirit, praying in other tongues. And I saw an aircraft coming for a landing really low. I thought, my goodness, how far we have come. We take it so for granted. Now we don't even think twice about it. But it started with a dream that these Wright brothers had. And look at what happened. Look at where it's taken us since that time. Well, see, God is the creator. and of, uh, He's the inventor. He's, he's the one that can create. And he has put his creative ability on the inside of us to create just like him. And when God put man in the garden, he made his body out of the dust, but then he breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. And the Bible says man became a living soul, another speaking spirit, just like God himself. So God created man to be able to rule and to reign by the words of his mouth. I want to expose the devil right now. I like exposing him. He's a rat. He's a liar. He's a thief. John 10.10 10 says, The devil comes not but for to first kill or steal, kill, and to destroy. That's his mission. Steal, kill, and to destroy. Well, if, the, if we find out how the devil tries to steal from us, we won't let him do it anymore. But here's the biggest, one of the biggest, not the only lie, but one of the biggest lies that the devil has propagated to people on the earth and even to some Christians to a certain degree. And that is this, that your words mean nothing as far as what you receive in this life, good or bad. In other words, you can say whatever you want, it means nothing. And there are people that actually mock faith and confession, think, how in the world? What are you talking about? But let me tell you something. Everything has the power to change through through the power of words. All right? Now, this lie has been believed by so many people through the years that you can just say whatever you want. I heard a story. Charles Capps shared this story. She said there was a woman he came in contact with that had a burning fever. Couldn't get rid of it. She went to the doctor, spent a lot of money, went to the true story, went to the doctors, and uh, and she was on a repeat visit. I don't know how many times she had been back to this particular doctor. <laughs> 
And the doctor noticed something. I don't know if he was a believer or not, but she kept saying these words. That just burns me up. That just burns me up. And the doctor, I don't know if God enlightened her or whatever the case was, he said, you know, maybe you ought to quit saying that. That just burns me up. Sometimes we have these little buzzwords and phrases that we say, and we, you know, they might, they might sound cool, but, you know, if it's not scriptural, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. I don't want to give the enemy ammunition. You know, the funny thing was, she quit saying that. She listened to the doctor, and then the fever left and never came back again. Isn't that something? So while I'm on that subject, go over to uh, Proverbs for a minute. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. I love this verse. Praise God. Proverbs 18, 21. Bless the Lord. I get so stirred up when I talk about this because I know what the power of the Word can do in our lives. Amen. Proverbs 18.21. There we go. Notice it says right here, if you look on the screen, it says death. Say death and life. life. Now notice there's two things here. Death and life are in the power of God. No, it didn't say that, did it? Death and life are in the power of man. No, it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Both death and life. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Now, I want to read out of the ERV translation. I don't think we have that we could put up on the screen. But it's, a, it's called Easy to Read Version Bible, ERV. And it says, The tongue can speak words that bring life or death. Those who love to talk must be ready to accept the consequences of what it brings. Okay. So death and life, death and life, death and life are in the power of our tongue, what we say, how we bring things forth. Let me give you a, more of a modern day example of what I'm talking about. How many of you ever heard of Elvis Presley before? <laughs> Just a few of you heard of Elvis Presley. You know, Elvis Presley... Did a little research on him, and he was really close to his mom. Had a great relationship with her. And, uh, you know, she, she, she passed away at the age of 46 with uh, heart trouble. At the age of 46. That made such an impact on young Elvis at the time. So much so that he said, he said these words over and over again. I will never outlive my mother. I will never outlive my mother. And you know, exactly at the age of 42, he lost his life. 42 years old. She was 46. He was 42. And uh, you might say, well, that was just coincidence. That just, but, but listen, folks, I know people, I know of people that have said things like that, and it did come to pass. Stuff like that. All right. You say, well, that's just, just coincidence. Well, I don't think so. It's spiritual law. See, if the devil can convince people that what you say doesn't have any bearing on whether you live or die or sink or swim, so to speak, then you'll just, you'll just let it fly off the handle. You'll say whatever you want and don't think it has any consequences on you. But let me tell you something. It does. Amen? I have a minister friend uh, from way, way back. His name was Joe Morris. And Joe Morris was a traveling teacher. And uh, to make a long story short, he... Uh, saw this couple that he was acquaintances with, you know, and for some reason they wanted, 
to ask him if he would perform the wedding ceremony, even though he wasn't a pastor. So he agreed to do it. And so he set up some meetings to meet with the couple. Didn't know them very well. Now, I didn't just hear about this. I actually heard it straight from the horse's mouth. I'm not calling Joe a horse, but I heard it. I asked him about this. He told me to my face and uh, told me exactly what happened. He said, there's this young couple, you know, and, and the, uh, the bride-to-be kept making this statement when they met from the very first time that they met and the next time they met and the next time they met, she kept saying this. She goes, oh, I just have this weird fear that I'm going to break my ankle or sprain my ankle before I'm able to walk down the aisle. And Joe noticed this pattern. He kept, she kept saying this. And so finally he said, now these are believers. These are Christian folks, okay, that should know better, but they didn't know better. And he told her, he said, he said I don't know what her name was, but he said, he said, you know, you ought to quit saying that. Quit saying that. She goes, oh, I don't know. It's just a thought that I had, you know. And do you know that the week of the wedding ceremony that it was supposed to be, that she actually broke her ankle? And she had to hobble down the aisle on crutches. Someone had to help her down the aisle on crutches. Someone says, isn't that amazing? She thought that, you know. Well, listen to me. She prophesied her own leg breaking. I don't want to give voice to the enemy. See, the devil can give you a thought. But if you don't speak it, it dies unborn. It'll be a stillbirth. (laughs) Nothing's going to happen. The devil can bring all kind of negative thoughts to your mind about you, about yourself, about your future, you know. But you know what? You just let it pass on by. Praise God. I'm not going to give voice to that. Matter of fact, smart people just learn to laugh at the devil. <laughs> Amen? One day I was praying many, many, many years ago. In fact, I still pray at this spot. You know, it's by a lake, you know. I'll pull out there in my car and I'll sit there and I'll pray and seek the Lord, you know. And... uh one day I'm out there, this is probably 20 years ago, and I was sitting on this, right near a dock where they let the boats down into the water. I'm sitting there, and I'm praying, and I get this thought in my mind, why don't you start the car, I put it in drive, and drive the car into the water. <laughs> this thought came up while I'm praying, seeking God, preparing for the service. Now, did I wrestle with that thought? Are you kidding me? I know exactly where that thought came from. I said, you lying devil. Ha, ha, ha. Okay? Now, some people, if they got that thought, they think, ooh, that must be suicidal. No, you're not suicidal. You just had suicidal thoughts. How many of you had weird, wicked thoughts come to you about yourself at some time? I mean, let's just be honest. That's not your thought. That ought to help a lot of people because just because you have a bad thought doesn't mean you're a bad person. Everybody, Brother Hagin used to say, and I mean, people revere him as one of the mightiest men of God that ever lived on the earth. Praise God. But he said even, he said this out of his own mouth. He said, even the most holy people you can think of have bad thoughts come to their head that their heart regrets sometimes. That doesn't mean it's your thought. You have negative thoughts, unregenerate thoughts come to you. Fear-filled thoughts will come to you. You're not going to make it. You're not going to have enough money. You're going to get sick and die. Okay. I watched my grandfather on my mother's side when I was just a teenager die uh, a horrible death of uh, cancer, okay, colon cancer. And I was just a young teenager at the time, 15, 16 years old, and 
you know, and it was it really impacted my family. But to make a long story real short, I watched him get down to nothing but skin hanging on bones. Okay. And uh, it was horrible. But my mother always wanted to go over there and take care of him, which I understand that, you know. But that really made an impact on me, not in a good way. And while I was going through that with my mom and taking her over there, and we were going together as a family, my sister and I, my dad, I had this thought come to my mind. Now, back in those days, I didn't know. I didn't know there was Satan, evil thoughts. I didn't know that. But I had this thought come to me, you're going to die from that someday. The same thing. Now, I didn't tell a living soul about that. Didn't talk to anybody about it. Didn't speak to anybody about it. Never. But it was always in the back of my mind. But here I was a few years later, after I got born again. I was in a church, a spirit-filled church, where they taught the Word of God. Amen. We should never take that for granted. Amen. Glory be to God. And the, the minister was preaching like I'm preaching right now, and he talked about thoughts and how they can come to you, and just because you have a bad thought doesn't mean it's your thought. And he talked about sickness thoughts, disease thoughts, tragedy thoughts, you know, that something bad's going to happen to you. You know, the, you'll get on an air, getting ready to get on an airplane, the devil will say, this plane's going down and you're going to burn in fire with it. You know what? Where'd that, where'd that thought come from? The devil? Praise God. Now, it's one thing if the Holy Ghost gets on you and, and he ministers to you and says, don't take that flight. He's not going to minister to you through a spirit of fear. Okay? When I get on a plane, we get on, we've flown many, many times. I get on the plane, we lay hands on that plane. Well, we pray before we get on, but we lay hands on the plane as we're walking down the runway, so to speak, on that big hunk of metal. They want to say, let us pass over to the other side. Like Jesus said, we're going to pass over to the other side. From point A to point B, nothing's going to happen Praise the Lord. And I get on there and I just lay back and enjoy myself. Praise God. Instead of white knuckling the seat, you know what I mean, and gripping that thing. Oh, that's a spirit of fear. I'm redeemed from the spirit of fear. Amen. Glory to God. I don't know why I said that, but I did anyway. God has not given me, Keith Eggert, the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So when fear comes against me, I say, no, you don't fear. You have no place in my life. You have no dominion in my life in Jesus' name. Boy, then you can really start to enjoy life. But notice this scripture in Proverbs 18. It says, death and life are in the power of what? Oh, the power of the tongue. Now, what about that lady? It's getting back to that couple that was going to get married. You know, that came to my friend for... Marriage counseling, and she kept saying this over and over again. What, was, what happened here was Satan put an evil thought, and the devil wanted to destroy their wedding. The devil wanted to bring them down, right? She had the thought, but she didn't pull the thought down. She didn't cast it down, so the thought became an imagination. And then it became a stronghold where that thought was so planted and rooted in her that it took on seed form, and then it finally produced a crop. Isn't that something? What is it about weeds? They seem to come up everywhere, you know? You don't plant them like, how'd that get into my yard? You know what I'm saying? We just planted, a, not planted, but put a bunch of mulch down, you know? And all of a sudden, a week later, here comes some weeds popping up through. I was like, I didn't plant you. <laughs> no, I didn't. But see, weeds are bad seeds, and they have a way of 
trying to get into our thought life, but we have to pull up those weeds through the Word of God and say, no, that's not true. The devil will lie to you about yourself. The devil will lie to you about your kids. The devil will lie to you about your future. But you have to put him in his place and say, no, you don't. You're a liar, Satan. Amen. Amen. So what if we say things like Psalm 91, the last verse. It says, with long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. Long life. Amen? 60-year-old 60 60 year people shouldn't die, technically. Amen? 70-year-old people shouldn't die yet. It's too early. But see, a lot of people, don't, a lot of even Christians, they don't know. They don't know. They've been taught to believe a lie that when you turn 70, things start falling apart. Things quit working. Nope. In fact, you don't have to die if some... To die, you don't have to have some dreaded disease to force your spirit out of your body. You can just check out and say, all right, I'm ready to go. Some of the pioneers of our faith, like Smith Wigglesworth and Brother Hagen and uh, some others, you know, uh, E.W. Kenyon, would walk down and say, tell his wife, no sickness, no disease, and say, well, honey, I'm ready to go home to be with the Lord. They weren't, they weren't thinking that day. <laughs> and uh, sit down, eat breakfast, boom, they're gone. Okay? And that's the way it should be until you're satisfied. I don't know about you, but I'm not satisfied yet. There's a lot of things I want to see and will see. Glory to God. We're going to see people's lives transform, revival take place. We're going to see, I'm telling you, the power of God come and people's lives transform. Glory be to God. And that just keeps me going. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. So was it a coincidence that this lady broke her ankle? No, it wasn't. How many know what I'm talking about? Let me just share something else, too. Just because you have a bad experience, I've heard it said like this, past failures can create future fears. Whether it's, you know, some type of failure that you might have had and could be anything, a relationship, financially, could be anything. Does it mean that that's going to be the thing that's going to happen to you again? Or, like in my case, when I saw my grandfather suffer like that, you know, doesn't mean that that's my lot in life, that that's going to happen to me. Okay? Now, the best example I heard of this was, uh, well, Kenneth Hagin talked about how the He's the bird example. You know where I'm going with that. He said, you know, you can't keep birds from flying over your head. You can't control that. But if one decides to build a nest in your hair, you have control over that. Isn't that true? You can't keep bad thoughts from flying over your head. You're going to get bad thoughts, evil, wicked thoughts that will come to you about yourself, about others. You can't help that. But you do have control whether you're going to dwell on that thought or not. Amen? When I was sitting in my vehicle and the devil gave me that thought about starting a car, driving it, I thought, ha, ha, ha. I love life. I enjoy life. Amen? And that, that is so ridiculous. But folks, there are people that actually would believe those things and think, whoa, where'd that come from? That must be just me. No, that's not you. 
Now, let's go to, uh, and wrapping this up this morning, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, uh, with this thought in mind that when God made man in Genesis 2-7, God made man another speaking spirit just like himself. Okay? Now, remember Proverbs 18-21. It says that death and life, both, are in the power of what? It's not in the power of God. It's not in the power of the devil. It's in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of words that you speak. Now, people, uh, Christians, and I've met a lot of Christians that have absolutely no revelation of the power of words. And it just... I'm like, when I get out of the presence, I'm like, do they know what they just said? Oh, my goodness. Just setting themselves up, saying wicked things about themselves, you know? But we're getting smart, aren't we? Amen. Smart Christians realize, no, I'm not going there with that. I'm not going to give the devil ammunition. Amen? That's like walking up to a bank robber and say, here's a gun. You're giving them ammunition. They don't have a gun, but now you have a gun. You're going to give it to them. That's what we do when we give the devil our words. It's like giving him the gun, so to speak, with his, his ammunition. But in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19, notice this. It says, I called a heaven and earth to record this day against you, and I have set before you, notice this, life and death. Now, God is saying this. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, Choose life that both you and your seed may live. Now, this is so cool. Here's an open book test. God says, I put before you life and death. They're out there. Life and death are out there. He says, here's your answer. Choose life. Choose life. Say choose life. Now, whether we realize it or not, every single day we're either choosing life or death. Life words or death words? Amen. Amen? Amen? Life or death? So, God says, I call heaven and earth to record against you this day. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. Praise the Lord. Well, when I read that initially back in the day, I thought, all right, choose life. Well, how do I do that? How do I choose life? Well, one scripture will answer another scripture. So, with that thought, I might go over to the last scripture here in John chapter 6, verse 63. John chapter 6 and verse 63. I hear music coming through here. Is there a little thing back there? Put on zero. Okay. The joys of hotel sometimes. <laughs> okay, notice this scripture in John 6.63. Jesus said this, it's the spirit that quickeneth. That word quickeneth is an old English word which means to make alive. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profits nothing. But we know that, don't we? The spirit quickens but the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are what? Life. So this, now, here we see Jesus said that He attributes His words to life. Now, when Deuteronomy, when God told Moses 
and the Israelites and us today. He said, he says, choose life. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. Well, specifically speaking, how do you do that? Well, John interprets it here in John 6. Jesus said in John 6, 63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Wow. So how do you choose life? You choose the Word of God. You choose the Word of God. When you choose the Word of God and you say what God's Word says. Now remember, God made man another what? Speaking spirit just like himself. Okay? Brother Kenneth Copeland put a series out a number of years ago called You Are the Prophet of Your Own Life. Well, one of the things, among other things, that prophets do is they'll prophesy something, then it'll come to pass, right? But did you know that you're the biggest prophet of your life? What you say about your life has more impact on you than anybody else. I'm not so much concerned with what other people are saying about me. It's what I'm saying about me that really matters. Remember Jesus, when he came to his disciples one time, he said uh, in Matthew, he says, he asked this question. He said, what are people saying about me? In his humanity, he said, what are people saying? Who do people say that I am? Some say that you are John the Baptist raised from the dead or one of the other prophets or Jeremiah or Elijah, you know. He wasn't satisfied with that. He asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? What do you have to say? Peter said, that's simple. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen? It wasn't what others were saying Jesus was looking for a personal response from his followers. That's exactly what he's looking for today. Well, Jesus went on to say, Peter, you're blessed. Here's why. Because flesh and blood, people with bodies, did not reveal that, just that information to you. But my Father, which is in heaven, through the Holy Ghost, just revealed to you that piece of information. And he said it's upon that rock, the rock of what? Revealed knowledge, revelation knowledge. It wasn't Peter. Peter wasn't the first pope. Dear Lord. Because Jesus had to rebuke him in the same chapter because, you know, Jesus started talking about going to the cross. Remember the story? Peter says, be it far from thee, Lord. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. In the same chapter. I think it's Matthew 16, I believe it is. Get thee behind me, Satan. A few verses before that, he says, I'll build my rock upon this church. That was not talking about Peter. That was talking about revelation knowledge, revealed knowledge from heaven. Every one of you here in this room can and will receive divine knowledge from heaven. It comes most of the time in the form of a thought. Amen? When you, that's one of the greatest advantages that we have of being able to pray in the Spirit, pray in other tongues, because we've got the red phone. Man, we're, we're praying directly to heaven. We're praying to the Lord. And that is, your spirit is connected to heaven, and you're praying in that prayer language. And when you're praying in that prayer language, you're on that spirit channel, so to speak. Then God can put a thought in your mind or an idea in your mind. This is, this is most of the time how tongues and interpretation of tongues operates and works. It happens here all the time in our services, almost on a weekly basis. Now, we don't press a button and say, it's time for tongues interpretation, it's time for prophecy. But a lot of times, just, that's just the way things happen. It moves to that, that, usually at the end of a service when that happens. Are you all with me now? But it comes in the form of a thought, an idea, 
and then you put words to it. It's not exactly verbatim, exactly per se what the Lord's saying, but he'll put a thought in your mind and then you interpret that thought and you put it in your own words. For example, you could get a guy that's eloquent and the Holy Ghost comes upon him. Now stay with me though. And he'll say, thus saith the Lord. God has not given thee a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Receive not the spirit of fear, but receive power, love, and a sound mind. And then you get an old boy from West Virginia or Arkansas. He'll get up and he'll prophesy and say, God, don't want you scared. (laughs) Saying the same thing. Are you with me now? See, God will use your personality. He'll use your intellect, your vocabulary. Do you see what? He'll speak through you, but he'll use your vernacular, your, your personality, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? But it's the same spirit. It's the same spirit. I found it to be true that the more word you know, the more he can use you in prophecy or tongues, interpretation of tongues. Because there's a reservoir in you that will, the Holy Spirit will say, let's reach down in that bucket and let's pull that thing up like a bucket in a well. And when the Holy Ghost comes, you know, there's something to draw from. In other words, there's a reservoir of the Word that's on the inside of you that the Holy Ghost can draw upon when you need it the most. Amen? Well, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit in the, in the book of John, 1 John says, or John, I'm sorry, Big John, <laughs> says, <laughs> Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, that's small John, right? John Jr. <laughs> and um, Jesus said regarding the Holy Spirit, He said one of the jobs is He would teach you all things. He's a teacher, the Holy Ghost. And then He says uh, He will bring all things to your remembrance. That's past things that you've learned. He'll bring all things to your remembrance. And then thirdly, He will show you things to come. So one has to do with the past. One has to do with the present. One has to do with the future. And the Holy Spirit can show you things to come. He'll teach you all things. And I would, I would just encourage you that when you read your Bible and you open up your Bible, whether it's on an electronic device or a regular paper Bible, you know, when you read that, ask, ask the Lord to open your eyes to see things that you haven't seen before. Ask Him to do that. Would you do that? Instead of just... It's time to read my verse, you know. But get the Holy Spirit. He's the author of that word, and He can show you something there that you never saw before. Maybe today there's something that you heard or that was said in this service. I pray that's that you heard that you never heard before. That's revealed knowledge, revelation knowledge. Okay? Now, the beautiful thing, we're going to get in. There's so much more I want to get into, but we're out of time here. But about the power of the spoken word and the, here's the beautiful thing is you can turn the ship around. Some of you may have had some rough things. We've all had some things that we've had to deal with in our lives, in our, in our families and different things. But, but let me tell you something. You, with God in you, you can make this thing turn around. You can turn the ship around and start going in, the, in a different direction. Amen? I'm telling you, God wants us to start calling things which be not as though they were. That's how God functions. That's how God operates. Amen? You know when, uh, who was it? Andrew. 
Simon Peter's brother, actually introduced Peter, Pedro. <laughs> he introduced Peter to Jesus. Andrew met him before Peter did. Okay? And in John chapter 1, I'll just refer to it. When Jesus, the very first encounter he had with Peter, who was called Cephas, he looked at him and said, Thou art Cephas, thou shalt become Peter. Rock. That's the words have meaning. Now Cephas, or Simon, you're Simon, but you shall be Peter. Simon, notice this, means reed. Just like on the, you know, on the sand, on the seashore, you know, have you ever seen them reeds, the big tall reeds, beautiful things, you know? Well, they, they bend with the wind, like a palm tree. I said one of the most durable trees is a palm tree because it can, it, can, it, can, it can endure really high winds, hurricane winds. It'll reach down and touch the ground and come right back up again, you know? Maybe it's part rubber, I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, well, if you see Goodyear written on the side, you'll know. But, uh, you know, Jesus said, you are Simon, which meant reed. In other words, blown over all the time. That's the way he was. He, he said this. He says, thou art Simon, reed. Thou shalt be called Peter, which means Petros, which means rock. He was the first rocky. Now, folks, you know and I know that Peter, Simon, had what we call foot and mouth disease. He did, didn't he? He was always talking at the wrong time, saying the wrong thing, you know, quick to speak. And sometimes that was a blessing. Most of the time it wasn't. He'd get himself in all kinds of trouble. He's the guy, folks, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was high-spirited. And that can be good. That can work for your advantage or can work against you. He was quick-tempered, Okay. That can work either for you or against you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Y'all been there? <laughs> Done that? Peter, Jesus said to his disciples, and I'll conclude here. He says, could you watch and pray with me for one hour? He's asking a minor thing. Could you pray with me for an hour? Jesus is asking the same thing today. Can you pray with me? Can you spend an hour prayer with me every day? Just take an hour and pray. Amen. Well, every time he came back to find and check up on them, they were falling asleep. They were all sleeping. Jesus said this. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. See the contrast between your spirit and your body? Your spirit wants to do the right thing. Spirit had good intentions, but the body says, I can't do it. I'm too weak. All right? So, uh, Jesus wasn't just wasting words. So, here comes, here comes the, the soldiers and the authorities to take Jesus away. And I believe they woke out of a deep sleep. All of a sudden they woke up and like, whoa, what is going on? Is this a nightmare or what? You know? And they went to grab Jesus. And Peter had a sword as long as your leg. And pulled out that sword. The Bible says it was Peter. Okay? Some of the other gospels don't say who it was, but then you get to Luke and it says it was Peter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. He pulls out the sword. He wants to protect Jesus. 
And he starts swinging, wham, you know. And there was a guy, one of the high priest's servants was called Malchus, M-A-L-C-U-S, Malchus. Remember that name. And um, he's an enemy of Jesus. He's part of the soldiers' team that are coming to take Jesus away, put him on a cross, kill him. So here goes Peter, pulls out a sword, and he goes to chop. Folks, he's going for his head. He wants to see some heads rolling. Okay? Boom. He's, the guy must have did this kind of a thing. Well, I would too. He ducked, you know, and it cut off his right ear. It literally cut the thing off. Bam. Can only hear half as much now. <laughs> Peter did that. Peter did that. At a crucial hour. But Jesus said, if you pray, you won't enter into temptation. He entered into anger. He entered into a fit of rage. Whereas he, if he would have prayed, it wouldn't have happened. Folks, prayer is not just good for God. It's good for you. Because it makes your spirit man stronger than your physical inabilities and the thoughts that come against your mind. Amen? And sometimes we want to give people a piece of our mind, but it better be the mind of Christ because if it's just our anger and so forth, it never produces anything. You might feel a temporary relief. You might let some steam off, but then you have to eat those words later. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Been there many more times I like to think. So he cut the guy's ear off. What's Jesus do? He says, put up your sword. They that live by the sword will die by the sword. Now Peter made a huge mistake here. Huge mistake. They could have taken his head off immediately. This is the Roman army here, folks. They don't show you any mercy here. They're going to take your life before you know what's happening. Jesus reaches over to Malchus and heals his ear. A new ear appeared on his head. Right in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's going to the cross. This is Jesus' enemy, by the way, Malchus, enemy of the cross, enemy of Jesus. Jesus heals his enemy. And Christians have a hard time believing whether God can heal them as a believer being their own child. Are you with me? If Jesus can heal my enemies and Jesus heals his enemies, how much more does he want to heal his church, the body of Christ? We're his own sons and daughters. We're not trying to take him to the cross. We're, we're serving him. So if God is willing to heal his enemies, how much more is he willing to heal us and walk so that we can walk in divine health? Amen. But here's something I saw about that. Jesus will cover for you even when you miss it. He doesn't just say, oh, you fell, just lay down there and learn your lesson now. Okay. I mean, when G Peter, again, when he walked on the water, he did walk on the water, but then he sank. Remember that? Because he got his eyes off Jesus on the circumstance. He began to sink, you know. And, uh, I mean, he's ready to go bloop, bloop. He's ready to go under. All right? Jesus didn't look down and say, you've got to learn your lesson now, Peter. You doubted. You were afraid. And you sank. Now, what did he do? He reached down and pulled him up until he is back up on his feet on the water again and he walked to the boat. That's my Jesus. Amen. Amen. So just because you and I make mistakes, which we all do, 
doesn't mean that you're down and out. And the referee's down there. One, two, three. When they count a certain number, that's it. That's the devil. That's the devil. Down for the count. No, the Lord, even when you do miss it, even when you make mistakes and you miss it, sometimes more severely than others, the Lord is down there to reach you back up and say, come on, we'll learn from this, but come on, let's go. I'm going to help you right now. I love that about God. Amen. You ever make mistakes more than once, the same mistake? Anybody? <laughs> and you're like... Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> That's another story for another day. <laughs> when I, years ago. My goodness. When I, uh, when I realized how merciful and how loving God is, and sometimes we'll say, oh, God, I promise I won't do that again. And we do it again. And you know, maybe it's the third, the fourth time, fifth time, you know. And then, you're, then this spirit of condemnation comes in in your head and says, ah, you promised God you wouldn't do that again. There you go, you did it again. Amen? And your, your adversary, the devil, the Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. He'll stand over your head. You don't see him, but he's standing there saying, you joke, you just screwed up again. You made the same mistake again. And what he wants you to do is not even think about repenting. Because you already promised God, so why do it again, right? Nope. You get right back up and you say, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over my spirit, my soul, my body. I ask you to forgive me, Lord. What does God do? He comes in there, cleanses you as if you never made a mistake. Hallelujah. Oh, the blood of Jesus is so powerful. <laughs> oh, the blood of Jesus is so powerful. We have authority and we have dominion that we have never even tapped into. But we're gonna. We're going to. We have dominion and authority. God told Adam, He says, I've given you authority over every creeping thing that moveth upon the earth. God gave him authority over everything. Now that's Adam. I, I submit this to you that we have way more than Adam has. Okay? But in the Garden of Eden, when Adam was created, he had some good stuff. Don't get me wrong. But what you and I have through the blood of Jesus Christ is even far greater than what Adam had before he even sinned. We have, see, Adam didn't have God living in him. We have God living in us. Just stop and think about that. Selah. Say, God is in me. God is in me. He's in me right now. The greater one lives in me. The mighty one lives in me. The powerful one lives in me. The greater one lives in me. And he will put me over today. Hallelujah. 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 Do you know every time, every time that you speak a scripture or a verse you're releasing spiritual life into the atmosphere that's going to bring those things to you okay I have a dog named Chestnut 
Now, he's older. Now he's got some hearing issues, you know. He's like, what, 14, 13, 14 years old. You kind of have to scream at him now for him to hear you. But when he was a young pup, you know, he would, he would go out back, you know, and, and he would go up. You know, we have some, like, some wooded area by our house, and he would go back in there and do his thing, you know. And, and I would, every time I'd get out there, I'd say, and I'd, a lot of times I didn't even see him. He'd be back in the weeds or something like that, you know, and I'd call and say, Chestnut, Chestnut. Chess, come here. Chess, come here. All of a sudden, I see that white tail sticking up. And he's running through the woods, and he comes running back to me now. Now I can't get him to run. <laughs> you know, I just want to sit here and relax, you know. <laughs> and um, my words called him in. My words called him in. Are you with me now? When I would call that dog, I called him by his first name. He recognized my voice. That dog would come running. Okay? Years ago, way back in the day, we had a, an old English sheepdog, which is a real big dog, and that thing was like a little horse. That thing could run so fast, you know. His name was Henry. So I'd, I'd call that dog, you know, this is back when we first got married, you know, back in, and by the way, tomorrow's our 35th anniversary. Glory to God. 35 years. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. It's been wonderful. <laughs> but the uh, point I'm trying to make is this in conclusion today. Is that let your words call in the things that, that you want to see. Anybody can call things like it is. I'm just a realist. I just call it like it is. Well, if you're sick, you don't want to call, call in sickness. I feel sick. I'm hurting. My body hurts. Well, yeah, it does. And that's why we need to call in healing and health. I call forth. That's, that's how you do it. You just say, I call forth divine health today in my body in Jesus' name. I call it forth. Now, the more that you talk about the problem, the more it gets reinforced in your life. When they build these big buildings, you know, they put reinforcements in the ground, underneath the ground, you know, and you can't even see it after it's done. Now, we can do that in a bad sense when we start saying the problem over and over and over again. Now, we're not denying that it exists. We're just denying its right to exist in our lives. So every day you start to call forth. I call forth today just like that. I call forth divine health in my physical body in Jesus' name. I call it forth right now. I take it in Jesus' name. I call forth plenty of money into my bank account in Jesus' name. I got more than enough. Man, you got a business, you're called new and new client. I call forth new clients in Jesus' name. And your words will actually go out and create the atmosphere to literally bring those things into your life. It will come to pass. So let's use our words, folks. Let's use our words to work for us. I can't wait to get into this next week. But let's use our words to work for us rather than against us. Amen? The tongue of the wise, the Bible says, is health and healing. The tongue. The tongue. My feet are hurting. My back's hurting. My elbow's hurting. My shoulder's hurting. All right. We understand that. You've established that. Okay? Let's change what you're saying. And if you start changing what you say, then you will see. Oh, say, can we see? <laughs> right? When you start saying what the Word says. Now, you may not see it right away. 
But if you hang on, that's why the Bible says hang on to a good confession. Hold tight. Hold fast to your confession. Now, if there was no holding fast to your confession, why would he say that? Because when you start initially saying what God's Word says, you may not see the results right away. You may not see it. But let me tell you something. Be assured, in the spirit realm, that thing is already changing. It's already changing. Hallelujah. And you will see it. You will see it. Let's praise Him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Many have become weary. Many, yes, even many, even in this room, have become weary at speaking what I've said. But know this today, saith the Lord, know this, that there's fresh revelation available to you to spark something on the inside of you that's going to rise up like a mighty giant. And no longer will the enemy of your soul be able to deceive you and to take the Word of God out of your heart and, yes, out of your mouth. Because now you are going to operate on a higher level of revelation from my Spirit that my Word is the truth. And when you decree and when you declare and when you pronounce what I've said about you, saith the Lord, it's as good as done. So grab hold of my word. Speak my word. And as you speak my word, I will bring to pass through the agent of the angelic host, I will bring to pass those things that you have been saying and they will come into your hands and you will possess the very thing that you have been saying and proclaiming out of your mouth. So hold fast a good confession as I've said in my word, just as my son held fast a good confession, even in the presence of Pontius Pilate. He held fast a good confession. And so as you hold fast a good confession, that is the confession of what my word says about you, I will surely bring to pass that which you so desire. And you'll stand there and you'll laugh and you'll laugh, not with tears of sorrow, but with tears of joy. That you'll know that you reeled in with the words of your mouth the very things that you desired and sought for. Many have sought to receive the blessings of God apart from this. But know this, it'll be, it'll be brought to nothing but mere frustration. But when you operate in my word and you operate on the principles of speaking my word and the revelation thereof, I will bring to pass all those things that you desire. Yes, your health. Yes, your healing. Yes, your provision. Yes, that son or that daughter or that family member to be turned around. Speak only. Speak only. Not what your eyes see nor what your ears hear. But let my word determine what you think upon. Let my word determine what you say. And as you, as you determine to do that in your heart, you will see a great turnaround. You will see a great about face. You will see a great 180 to turn in your favor. So use your words. Use your words to work for yourself and work for me. And all will be well, saith the Lord.